Welcome to the Talking People and Technology podcast. My name's David Gazzarotto. We're proudly brought to you by Light Solutions and we are coming at you live, recording live, yes, at the HR Tech Fest conference here in Sydney. And it's great to be here. I am joined as ever by my partner in crime all the way from Christchurch, New Zealand, Indeed. Jared Cameron. Thank you, Dave. It's good to be here. Good yeah. buzz going on in the room, eh? Big ups. Excellent. Jared represents our diversity policy. Um, so I see I've, I've got his uh, little moniker on the back, Flush and Chups. Thanks, Jared. Much obliged. <laughs> and uh, really pleased to be joined by someone with, with some real knowledge. Um, please welcome Matt Smith from Pure Learning. Matt, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. G'day, everyone. Awesome. Um, now, most of you guys would know us a lot. I'm not going to do the spiel. That's what we're here for. You may not know Matt. So, Matt, if I could just get you to give us a minute on what Pure Learning does, and then we'll get cracking on some uh, banter. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Pure Learning is a learning experience design company, so we focus on creating effective training um, and bringing in a lot of skills from other fields like marketing, advertising, UX, service design, uh, really focusing on the learning experience. Yeah, awesome. Well, it's great to have you have you here. You are a bit of a repeat offender. We've had you. Uh, we've been doing this for close to three or over three years now. Yeah, I think Matt, so. You're on a very early one, so I think things in learning have evolved. I've, I've, I've been practicing for those two years. Yeah, <laughs> good on you, mate. It's awesome. You put to the test today, Matt. Yeah. So look, there's there's a number of great themes that have been going on here at the conference uh, this week that we've seen. Um, probably the number one that we're seeing, Jared, is around employee experience. Mm-hmm. So I thought we might start with that as a bit of a topic to talk about. And for me, um, employee experience is really that, you know, it's informed by what's going on in the world around us and how we're trying to create those experiences, would you say? Yeah, I, I mean, I think actually um, when we look at employee experience, it's so heavily influenced by the experience we have as customers. We hear that a lot when we go to these conferences. Um, you know, the customer experience is ahead. How do we get the employee experience to catch up? And it's funny because I always think to some of the experiences that I have outside of work on services like Instagram and Facebook. And and for me, employee experience is a lot about personalization. And I sort of find that, you know, when you think about the experience you have on your devices, it is very wrapped around trying to make it something that is individual for you, trying to present information that's relevant to you, that's about the connections you have, it's about the behaviors that you do, the, the data that the tools know about you. That's all very well, but how do we do that? (laughs) <laughs> kind of at scale like is that yeah look it's, it's difficult so I mean I guess you know I work with a team of consultants that help organizations to to try to tackle that problem with their HR suites um, I think it really comes back to uh, the quality of the data that you have about your people and how well your tools can use that information to personalize the experience probably the most common thing I come across Dave is um, is not knowing or knowing a lot about your people but, but not being able to trust that information and use it wisely um, often we have good payroll data sets, but we don't tend to have very good HR data sets. And it's really difficult to do automation. It's really difficult to make recommendations to people based on their behaviors and the activities and what they're doing if we actually don't know the fundamentals about them, their job, what's expected of them, what they're good at, what they're bad at, their previous job, that sort of information. Yeah, but pe- people don't want to give us all that data. How do we get that? You'd be surprised at how open people are to sharing that information, actually. But look, a lot of it, I think, is about um, being able to capture just what is going on in the organization and using tools to do that. Um, It's not all about technology. I think you're right. Some of that is about um, 
people choosing and wanting to share some of that information. But I think if you have tools that actually allow you to, to track when people are doing things, allow them to go and search and find and navigate to different types of problems they're trying to address, and then you're able to tag and recognize that those things are going on, you can start connecting those data sets together. You can start making you know, analytic decisions based on that information. Yeah, yeah but I think um, one of the things for me, I, I actually think what's fundamental to this is also us getting out of our HR mindsets. Yeah, that's like true. I think we've tackled technology a lot as HR people, which sounds weird because we're HR folks, right? Probably a few IT folks around here as well. Um, but I, from a mindset perspective, we're still largely implementing technology to help HR be better at HR. And the reality is the experiences that we're trying to create now when every employee is a user needs to be informed by putting them in the center of it and trying to create something that actually they want to engage with that then supports the processes and the, and the, the data and the information that we require. Is that, a, is that a fair point to make? Yeah, no, I think so. And look, I mean, it's funny because um, when we were talking before this, and I think this is a topic we're going to get onto, I think you have to actually design good employee experiences. It's not, I mean, I've been talking about data, but I don't think that's the be all and end all. I think it's an enabler. But actually, if you don't go out with the mindset of saying, how do we make it a good experience for someone? And that's not all about tech. Like a whole lot, like you think about someone's first day. I hired someone, they started yesterday. And a big part of their first day is about relationships and people. It's about having the right equipment when you walk in and having the right logins and having a place to sit. So I think employee experience is a much bigger topic than just looking at technology. It's a journey, Jared. It's a journey, that word. <laughs> it's a journey, all right. Yeah, <laughs> love that word. Right, Matt, it might be time for you to join this conversation. What do you reckon? <laughs> how about sure, journeys? What are they, how do they fit for you? That would fit for you. I think the really important thing is uh, to empathise with the people. So uh, quite often we can see things through our particular lens. So what we want them to do, we need to really understand. And I see this a lot in, in learnings, not really understanding the audience and not really understanding what they're going to respond well to. So we design training programs or you know an onboarding experience that's really tailored to what specifically you need as a manager but you really need to focus on uh, what their experience is going to be as well so you can talk about experience you can talk about kind of journeys but if you're not putting yourself in the user's shoes it's it's going to be the wrong experience for them what, what do you think are some of the mistakes people make Maddie, when they're trying to design a better learning experience or a better employee experience you know not talking to the people that are going to have the experience is <laughs> right. probably the big thing. Forgetting to have that conversation in the Ex first place. Excluding them from the process right. completely, yeah, definitely. Saying, we know what you need, so this is what we're going to give you. Is that, yeah, yeah okay. ab absolutely, yeah. Um, could go back to personalization as well. I think just I've heard a lot about personalization uh, over the last couple of days at the conference. And uh, from, a, from a learning point of view, I, th I think you know, personalization is great, but there's a lot of comparisons with Netflix or Netflix yeah. of learning or... Yeah. Uh, you know, talked a lot about kind of creating playlists like Spotify as well. And I think we really need to understand that uh, what we're doing in L&D is, is not entertainment. And going on Netflix and finding a show that's really entertaining for you and then getting recommended, you know, based on that is great. But from a learning point of view, we're, we're working towards an outcome. We're working towards mm -hmm. someone being able to do something better for them to be able to, to perform a job. And so I think we, we need to just have a bit of balance with that. So I'm, I'm all for people, you know, directing their own learning and, and things like that. But, but if you've never had to do that before, that can actually be quite confronting. And then that could yeah. end up being a very terrible experience for you because you just, you just don't know. And if, yeah. you're, if you don't have a good foundation of, of skills, um, you don't know where to start. You know, we've all been in those positions where we try to learn something new, but we've just 
failed miserably because we, we need someone to hold our hand or we need someone to lay out a pathway for us as well. Do you think that's mindset driven? Do you think that's just people are not used to it? They're not conditioned to learning in that style? Is it an age thing? Like what, what's, what's, the, what's the driver behind that, do you think? Uh, in, in terms of people... Uh, if you're confronted about having to drive their own learning, what do you think holds them back from just sort of grabbing it and having a go at it? Yeah, some people are, naturally do it, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It depends on, I guess, your, your passion for it, what you already know about it as well. Um, but if, if you're completely new to a field, so use onboarding as an example, yeah. you can't do self-directed onboarding. You, you yeah. can't go around and say, I'm just going to wander up to a manager and have a chat to them and things like that. Um, if you're new to sales, you can't just go, oh, I'm going to figure out how to sell. You, yeah. you need some, some direction around that as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's about getting that balance of having some structure where the structure is needed, but giving some flexibility and freedom for people to explore. I think we all get excited about technology and new things, and we're very quick to leap on them and then yeah. you know put put all our effort and energy into them, and then just uh, say this this tool is the one tool that's going to solve the problem, and then a couple of months later, things fail because we've just don't have that balance, yeah. and then Eat we say that tool's crap. Let's move on to the next buzzword or trend. Yeah. yeah. It's a bit like, I think that there's a lot of that around HR technology at the moment. There's a lot of disposability, you know, because um, we, we have that experience in our, in our own digital lives where um, if we don't like an app, it doesn't yeah. work. Flick so it. What do we do? We just we hit it till it shakes and then we give it the flick, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of our employees are sort of thinking of, um, about that with the technology. Yet a lot of our technology is very expensive and hard to implement and so... We've got to be very careful about how we create those first experiences around the technology, um, which is why, you know, I think we're all singing from the same sheet here. You've got to put that individual or that persona even at the centre and build something around them. Otherwise, the risk of that creating that poor experience and really hampering the take-up and the adoption, which is, mm. you know, to your earlier point, Jared, around, you know, data and analytics and how do we, how do we use that to, to inform better ways of engaging our people. Um, you, you can't get that without the adoption of the solution in the first yeah, place. If right? they don't want to use it in the first place, you can't get their data to make any sense of it. Totally agree. Yeah. And, I, and I think if you're designing experiences, you're not designing experiences for the sake of designing experiences. There is an outcome that you're, you're aiming for as well, and, and you should never lose sight of that. You can get very caught up. So I was talking about empathy before. You can really analyze your audience, really get to understand them, mm. things like that. But then if you, if you make it just too focused on the user then you make a great experience for them, but it might not achieve the actual result that you're trying yeah. to get as well. So as with all things, you need balance. Yeah. It's funny though, because I often see a lot of organizations that on the outset, you know, they have a really strong vision, they know what they want, they want to have a you know, employee-centric tool that's going to deliver those outcomes, but somehow the implementation journey just kind of doesn't go down the path they thought, or they get to three quarters of the way in and a million dollars and they go... Why haven't we achieved half of the business case? You know, it's a it's a funny predicament they find themselves in. Either of you guys got any thoughts on yeah, I think why they're there? We see that a lot. You know, we're, we're actually, we get requirements together hmm. to go out and shop for technology. And we think then we're going to implement against those requirements, which is a fairly rational thing to consider. If we haven't built those requirements in, informed by the stakeholders properly, and, and we go through that effort to do some of that design as we're selecting the solutions, then... Um, we often see, you know, six, ten weeks into a project that everything grinds to a halt because we realise there's a whole bunch of decisions that have to be made. Now, that's a very expensive thing to have happen on your deployment project. So one or two things happens. You hit the pause button, you go through it, and you salvage some of that ROI mm. back. But it costs you 
mm. whatever your project burn rate is, it's going to cost you the four, six, eight weeks to do it. Maybe a worthwhile investment. The alternative is you bash through, get to your go-live date and deal with it afterwards. Yeah. Right? Yeah, postpone and the pain. When all your budget's dried up and it's impossible to chase it. So I think the criticality of getting up front with this and making sure that you've got a focus on how this solution is going to be used in a day-to-day context and how it's going to deliver value to that end user back to the organization. It's not easy stuff, but it's got to be done with a design mindset and more of it from you know using tools like design thinking rather than process design. I also think it comes back to collaboration. You know, the number of selection processes I see that organizations refuse to get close to the vendors and really build relationships and understand their tools better. You know, it tends to be very arm's length. I don't know if anyone recognizes that, but you kind of see this as like, they're the opposition. They're not. They've got to be your partner. So, you know, it's actually quite difficult if you try to, and I don't just mean collaboration with the vendor, like with the end user, you know, with the people that are holding the buck for the business case. It's kind of, you've got to have everybody's needs factored in, don't you? And not just at the start when you select the tool, but you've got to work out a way of having that run through the program. So when you get to the end, You've delivered a good outcome for the organization, for the employee. Your vendor's happy. You're happy. you got a good story to tell at an event like this. Yeah. All right, Joe, that's enough of you, mate. Heard your, <laughs> It's a beautiful voice, but we've heard a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. that is true. Okay, um, kind of just closing out on that personalization, I want to, want to talk more broadly about what's going on in the learning world. Um, yeah, I think personalization is something. We've been trying to create an experience on our booth around personalization. Yeah. And we've had many of you may have been able to do this yet is the t-shirts um so it's been a bit of fun but the metaphor there is we should be doing creating that personalization with our employees with our users of the technology as well so um that's probably the takeaway for the live audience here and for those of you listening to this on your dog walk and on your run um uh, go to the website and find us and we'll um, we'll send you a t-shirt how about that it's, <laughs> that there's, only, a, there's that only three subscribers so it could be a whole business in itself couldn't it <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, we're rapidly moving along. These things go quickly, don't they? Um, Maddie, while I've got you, what what are some of the, the sort of big ticket items going on in the world of learning, particularly digital learning, which is a, a world you spend a lot of time in? Uh, yeah. In, in terms of this conference, the thing that's really impressed me is kind of the the candor and the, uh, the, the honesty in, in some of the discussions. So there's been a a lot more swearing in this conference, I think, from some of the presenters, which I think is good. Hearing things being shit yeah. and crap. And uh, I think that's good. There's a lot more honesty coming through. People aren't up there just trying to sell themselves or sell their company. And I think we need a lot more of that, in, especially in the L&D space, in HR as well. We need to be calling out, you know, what's not working and, and what is and, and being really honest about it. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to see that be a real trend. I know we're talking a lot about AI and we're talking you know, gamification, got a big mention this morning and, and things like that. Um, I would just like to see courage and honesty be a, a really big push uh, in, in, in that space as well. And then that, that filters down into how you then design effective training. If you speak to your audience like real people and speak human, then it's going to be much better. Sounds like a pretty pretty good strategy for most things related to people, indeed. Well, I, think, I think the other thing is like we're all adults. You know, if we get it wrong, let's just say we got it wrong and let's work out how we're going to get it right. I think sweeping things under the rug isn't the way to do it, is it? You're not going to learn from that, are you? No, you're not. I mean, I think some of the best lessons you ever have or the best learnings you have are when you make mistakes. So, you know, I mean, it's funny how some organizations don't have a culture of allowing mistakes. And I think actually that's a really key to success is saying fail lucky, fast. Lucky for you, Jared, we do. Yeah, no? lucky for yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, fail every day. That's our motto, yeah. <laughs> and learn from it. Fail fast, fail slow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
I don't know why you still work for me, actually. I'm, I'm pretty pretty cruel on you. Can I just ask the HR people here, does this constitute bullying? This... <laughs> I'm used to it. It's the Kiwi. It's pretty normal. Um, but more specifically, I know, um, you know there's a lot of, um, uh, I guess, talk about uh, modern learning and moving away from a lot of classroom-based, get, getting you know, beyond blended learning and kind of PowerPoints that were enabled with a bit of, you know, Captivate and Articulate or... Um, wh- where are we headed? Are we are we moving away from that kind of mode or are we still sort of wedded to that? I think it comes back to what we're talking about today around experience. So uh, face-to-face training always has place, coaching, mentoring, digital learning. You know, you need to pick the right tool for the right job. The, the yeah. important thing there is is designing that right experience. So you can have... I've had some really fantastic face-to-face training and it's been amazing and I've had some really terrible online learning as well. So it it all comes back to what we've been talking about around understanding the audience, understanding what the results are we're aiming for, understanding the performance we're trying to improve. Um, So I think there is a lot more talk about that and people are thinking a lot more about it as well. So people have been bagging online learning for for ages. The more we start talking about experiences, the more we're going to design really great e-learning, online learning. So, so on that, if you were to go into an organisation and, and sort of break learning and start again, um, what would be the, the starting point? Like, where, what would you do? Yeah, that's a really fantastic question. I'd probably get rid of uh, about 80% of kind of the training initiatives and I'd really take a long-term approach. I think we do get caught up quite a bit with really focusing on short-term problems and, and you know, this project needs to get done and move on to this project. We focus a lot on content. I think we need to really focus on the longevity of, of our training programs. You Effective behaviour change, developing skills, it takes takes time. So I... I if I were to, would come in and, and break learning and, and make it better, I would have a much more narrow, sharp, specific focus on some really strong things, have some tangible results for the business. How do you, how do you think they would be received by the business leaders? Do you think they would, they would, they would accept that or do you think they'd be saying, I need to see some results in the next 90 days? Yeah, I, I think that's a really interesting question. Uh, you know, it, it depends. So yeah. you quite often hear about L&D being treated as order takers and not getting yeah. enough respect. There's been some great conversations around getting data and evaluating the effectiveness. And I think that's really, really important. You can't expect people to increase your budget. You can't expect people to, you know, champion programs that you're really pushing for if you don't have data to back it up and if you yeah. can't tell the story behind it as well and show how the business is benefiting from it. So I think that's really, really key to doing that. If you can do that, and if you can collaborate, we quite often talk about the business. We're working with the business. If, if you're working in-house, you shouldn't be saying that. You are the business. You're, you're, you're part of the business. And, and it always kind of confuses me. Why do we have to have this separation between L&D and the business? So it, it, you need to collaborate and work together. You're working for the same goals. You're all working together. If you're working with the finance department, you're, you're helping them get better. If you're working with the sales team, you're helping them sell more. Um, so it comes back to collaboration as well. I love it. Matty, I reckon that is... Uh an awesome landing point for this episode. Can I get a T-shirt? 19 minutes in, we'll get that on there. So what is it? We're not, you're not HR, you're not L&D, you're the business. Uh, Matty? It was so good I actually forgot. You are the business. You are the business. Yes? I am. Awesome. That's the hashtag. Thank you very much for joining us today, Matt. I really appreciate you taking me. your time. Jared, as always, it's been, it's been fantastic. Pleasure. And to you folks out here who have stayed the journey over the 20 minutes, thank you for being part of our first ever live broadcast of the Talking People in Tech podcast. Go and check us out on uh, Apple Podcasts and wherever you get great podcasts and shit ones as well. Um, but thanks very much, folks, and we'll see you again next time. Thanks, everyone.